149. The Resurrection. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The guards report. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our text is that summary of the gospel from John 3.16 where John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, shares the truth that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. The centrality of the love of God we celebrate this morning, this Easter morning. Congregation of Jesus Christ, it's so good to be together and to celebrate with the church of all ages and all around the world, the resurrection of the Lord. It's a reason for celebration today. It's like someone who's been held hostage, who is suddenly ransomed. A ransom is paid and they are, they are free. What a celebration. It's like someone who, who has been sick with cancer and... It was leukemia, and it was a child, and, and all of a sudden there's a cure, and, and what a celebration. 
That's the kind of celebration. It's like someone who's facing certain death in, in a war situation. And, and all of a sudden, the tide turns and they're victorious. And they celebrate. It's like someone who is enslaved or in bondage to an addiction of some kind. And, and all of a sudden, too, by God's grace, they are, they are free from alcohol or drugs. And it's just not a, a draw on their life anymore. What a celebration. This is the kind of thing we celebrate this morning. The wonder of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. Ransoming us, healing us, setting us free, giving us the victory. So I want to ask you this morning in general, first of all, how do you feel? How do you feel this morning? Do you feel okay? Or do you feel great? There was, there was just recently uh, with a, a sports team, the, the Blue Jays, they were, they were getting ready and um, John Gibson is the manager and he was, he was taking some reporters around and, and he was talking to some of the players and he talked to uh, Jose Batista and, and he just called out to him, hey Jose, how are you doing? And you'll say, so that, I'm okay. And then Gibbons kind of looked shocked. What? You are earning $14 million a year? You are a major league baseball player? You're going to be going to the Hall of Fame? You're 35 years old? Everything is, is great for you? How are you? How are you feeling, Jose? And he kind of said, well, I feel great. I feel great. This morning, for us, as followers of Jesus Christ, Easter morning, with the, the priceless riches of salvation given to you and me, with our sins forgiven, with the sure hope, not of the Hall of Fame, but of eternal life, with Jesus alive and living in us by his Spirit, I want to ask you again, believers here at Bethel Church, how are you feeling this morning? Great. What? Great. Great. Yes. We, we are celebrating the amazing, amazing work of God. As believers in Jesus Christ, we celebrate his resurrection today, and we feel great. What did you think of the... I believe in the resurrection readings. Trying to put together everything that we feel great about. Realizing this morning as we come together with that thankfulness, that joy, that celebration, many, many, many people wonder what we're doing. They, they don't feel or understand what we believe. To the average person, it makes little sense. We are celebrating someone rising from the dead. Do you know anyone else who has risen from the dead? This week, Thursday, 
I had the honor of doing a funeral for a, a gentleman here in town. He had no family. He had just a small circle of friends. And so I assisted the funeral home in officiating at his funeral, Arnie Hendrickson, 90 years old. It wasn't tragic, but there we stood at the graveside and we honored him and we called on the Lord and we buried him. The five of us standing there don't expect to see him here this morning. People don't rise from the dead. When you bury them, they're buried. And so as we come celebrating the resurrection from the dead, it's, it's challenged by many. The thought is unusual and it's not received by many as truth. People would not join us in saying, I believe in the resurrection. And that sentiment is very much here in the Gospel of Matthew. As we read the story of the resurrection, and the response immediately is, the disciples stole his body. Matthew 28, verse 13. Can't be true. It's got to be something else. Must be some other explanation. So this was the first story that was presented in terms of not believing in the resurrection. Through the years, many other stories have been told. There are suggestions, some say too. Yeah, interesting story about Jesus. He was not really dead. So when they came to the tomb, yeah, he... he had got up and, and he left, and it's just not true. There are other stories told that when, when they took his body down from the tomb and, and they are from the cross and placed it in a tomb, uh, the women didn't actually uh, see exactly where it was or they got confused about it. So when they went back to, uh, on the Sunday morning, they went to a different tomb and it was empty, of course. And they thought, oh, it's empty. And so, but it wasn't true couldn't be true. So stories like the one we see here in Matthew 28 are out there, different explanations why it couldn't be true. That's why in Matthew 28, every effort is made to prove that Jesus is truly alive. And so in our reading this morning too from Matthew 28, it goes through the various details that there are uh, two women, and in the other gospel accounts, more women. In terms of, of every fact being confirmed by others. So this is a true report that they came and they found things as witnessed. The, the picture of the angel here brings us back to the Christmas story where at Jesus' birth there were angels. And so we, we have that sense in our culture, the presence of angels, yeah, that's that's okay here at the resurrection as well, just affirming the wondrous announcement that, that fulfills the Christmas story. So, of course, the angels are present declaring this is true. You have the transparency of the event. You have the stone rolled away so that the tomb is open, and then you have the angel inviting in verse 6, the women to, to look inside, to see clearly. He is not here. He has risen. See for yourself. So 
definitely. Jesus, who was dead, is risen, is gone. And then you have the verbal declaration. The angel takes everything the women are experiencing and, and states it clearly to them. Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is not here. He, he is active. He is, he is a, a living being. He's going ahead of you. All is renewed. Everything is, he is alive and, and the ministry goes forward. It, it's a glorious good news. And they receive it. They receive it like we receive it this morning with joy. And they run to tell the disciples. There's a wonderful sense of, of yes, this is true. This is, this is believable. This is understandable. This is, this is what God has done in Jesus Christ. Now, deep down, you and I, and, and even like, like in the Gospel of John, like Thomas, we would, we would say to, okay, yeah, we would still like to see him. We would still like to, to touch him, like Thomas says, put my, my finger in his wounds and, and to know for sure. And so even that, that feeling in us, we are, we are very physical, visual, touching kind of people. And if it's, if it's true, we want to see it and feel it and know it. And by God's grace, in the account here as well, Matthew 28, verse 9, though the angel had said, Jesus is risen, he's on his way to do stuff. Well, what he's doing is confirming in the women and in us. He comes to them. Jesus himself is suddenly present to them. Verse 9. Suddenly Jesus met them. He meets us in our need. He meets us where we are. And he adds that final level of proof. It's, it's visual proof. They see him. It's audible. They, they hear him. He speaks to them. And they recognize his voice. Oh, yes, that's the voice of my Lord and Savior. So between seeing and, and hearing, here he is. It's him. He's right here. And then actual physical proof. In one of the other Gospels, Jesus uh, asked them to re refrain from touching him, but here they can actually clasp his feet, it says. They can actually take hold of him and he's solid and he's, he's real and he's right there. He is alive. Praise God. And they worship him just like we do today, our risen Lord and Savior. So that reality for them is our reality. And how did they feel? How does that make you feel this morning, congregation? great. It makes us feel great. The risen Lord was right there by all evidence approved wonderfully our Savior. From Matthew's gospel, from the whole biblical account, we can be sure Jesus rose and that he is alive. We can even add things like the story of Emmaus that we looked at last uh, Lent and Easter. 
we had the whole Emmaus story on the wall here and how Jesus came to them and walked and talked with them and ate with them. He is the living Lord. And then you think about uh, Pentecost where we'll be celebrating that too in, in 40 days and, and how he pours the Spirit out on the church. Proof of his living presence. And then in Acts 9, the Apostle Paul is making his way and, and he meets the Lord the living Lord on the road to Damascus. And his whole life is changed, and, and he begins to, to plant churches, and, and here we are, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a Gentile church, the Spirit of the living Lord, having worked itself out till today, evidence over and over again, that with confidence we confess and declare, we believe in the resurrection. This, this constant proof continues to, to be the, f the basis of, of our faith, the centrality and the confidence we have, and it works itself out in things like, like well, well, how did that go with Jesus' resurrection? Well, well, he is the Son of God. And he said in John 10, verse 18, I have authority to lay down my life and I have authority to take it up again. Proof that he is truly the Son of God. So we sing and say, yes, hallelujah. It's, it's proof of the Bible's message of Jesus, the one promised in the Old Testament, the Savior of the New Testament. We hold God's word confidently true before us each day. And, and it gives us the confidence as Christians to live in this hope, in this faith, each day by the power of the Spirit. Jesus, the living Lord, is with us and, and goes before us and guides us and helps us. And so all of that is included in our celebration of Easter. One more thing. A central thing that I want to just end with our focus this morning. It's, it is such an amazing truth. And then the, the question still comes to us. Is it, is it really for me? Does it really apply to me? Does God really, really, having done all this, does it, does it really take hold or, or have, have its place in my life. As people think, too, I, I'm not worthy of something like this. And so it, it's also amazing, does it apply to me? And the answer is, yes, it does. It does. It applies to you and me because God loves you. And that has to be at the heart of it. Yeah, all of these things are true, but then, then how does it Apply to me, because God loves you. John 3, verse 16. The summary of the gospel, the love of God, he did all of this for you because he loves you. And, and even very personally, this Easter story, this Good Friday reality, this Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead, is for you, your life, your death, your resurrection. 
it applies to you. The love of God for you and me. It's the picture of the father for his dear children, lost in sin, doomed to die. Reaching into their lost and hopeless situation in love. It's a love story. It's the greatest love story. We know how love stories touch our hearts. William Shakespeare wrote over 40 plays, but the one love story, Romeo and Juliet, is the most read, most performed by far, because it's a love story of a young man and a young woman in very difficult circumstances, but their love was true and strong above all the difficulties, and we admire such love and we long for such love. You get movies in the modern world like The Notebook where you have a story of, of committed love between a man and a woman. And you have a man reading to his wife to help her remember and, and staying with her and true to her through all the struggles and all the difficulties and they die in each other's arms and, and you think, man, that's, that's a, a love. That's a wonderful precious, deep, and powerful love, committed, self-sacrificial. We admire that. We long for that. We, we know that there's something very special there. Easter is the greatest love story. The story of God's love, so much greater and deeper and truer than any other love. And the Bible is telling that story. It's a divine love. It's a love made in heaven. It's a love that's completely self-sacrificial. It's the love of God for you. It's specifically for you. You are the center of a love story. And at Good Friday and Easter, you see that fulfilled. I told you the stories of Amanda Lindhout and the ransom from her being held hostage. And I told you the story of Dr. Emil Freirark healing the children of leukemia. I told you the story of Vimy Ridge and the victory of the Canadian soldiers. And I told you the story of William Wilberforce who set the slaves free. But there's really only one great true love story. And that's the story of God's love in Jesus for you. And that begins with the creation when God made human beings in love and he welcomed them into his world like parents welcome a newborn child and he marveled at them. So much love. And that's the way God also sees us when we were born. Each of us was a marvel of his love. The Bible goes on to tell how people rejected God's love. How they turned away from him. How they wouldn't talk to him or didn't want to see him. And there's that reality of sin in us too. That's part of who we are. But a heartbroken God continues to reach out. He continues to build into our lives in his tender love and care. 
The Bible expresses it through the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, where God continues to be with them, though they are not perfect in any way. But it's a story of God's love reaching out to those who wander and waver in sin. And God's love keeps reaching out through the story of the Bible, through the people of Israel. Though they wander, he relentlessly pursues them, his precious children, just like he continues to reach out to us, his precious children today. And we see God never giving up, never giving in, reminding them of his love through the prophets, sending prophets to them, saying, return to me, be my children, be my people. Just like every Sunday in church, God's word continues to reach out to us, to draw us closer to him, back to him if we have fallen away. All of that love continues to work itself out. The story of God's love we see in our lives too when we falter and fail. And so that forgiving grace and love of God continues to work itself out until finally God shows us the full extent of his love. John 13, verse 1, Jesus says, he is going to show the disciples the full extent of his love. And that's the beginning in the Gospel of John of the crucifixion leading to the resurrection. But that sacrifice on the cross, that giving of himself completely, that we might be restored. That's summed up in John 3, 16, and also 1 John 4, verse 10. This, this is love. Not our love for God, but his love for us. And sending his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We have never seen, there has never been a greater love. Unconditional, self-sacrificial love a divine love that overcomes all sin, that wants to break down all resistance, that seeks to restore our relationship with a God who does love us despite all the struggles, despite all the pain. And he wants to fill us with thankfulness again this morning. Jesus, our Savior, that's what we celebrate. Let me ask you one more time. How do you feel, congregation? Great. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we do come. In the assurance of your love this morning, we thank you that we could remember all that you have done through the past weeks and even on Friday as we gathered around the cross. This morning, Lord, we celebrate your resurrection, your victory over all that would hinder and hurt and harm all that prevents your love from coming more and more fully into our lives. We see the, the beautiful display here, the flowers. We thank you for the joy that you put in our hearts in so many ways. We praise you too for the assurance of faith and that each one here would also be encouraged in their faith. Lord, we thank you for young and old here that together, looking back, looking forward, Lord, knowing in our lives, in all that we are, that we belong to you, our faithful Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.
We're going to respond by standing and singing Amazing Love.